0: When a single mother begins to hear strange noises on her roof, she has no idea what could be causing the phenomenon. Or does she? And then we meet a young woman who's trapped in the cycle of domestic violence. But when the husband dies suddenly, the young wife thinks that the problems are over. Little does she understand that her husband now has the power to assault her from beyond the grave. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. We have a lot of stuff to cover today, so let's get started. First off, walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now is a legacy Patreon supporter and close personal friend of mine, everyone give it up, for Steve Damewood. Woohoo, yeah, wee! (laughs) Steve's like, really? You're clapping and smiling? I heard that introduction. This sounds like a bleak, bleak episode. You know, this episode has a lot of twists and turns. If you heard that intro and you go, that's a little heavy for me today. Trust me, you have zero idea what's coming. (laughs) You're <laughs> like, Jason, I'm going to assume a lot of bad stuff. A domestic violence abuser now is floating around as a ghost. Trust me, you you guys will like this. You guys, this is a good one. This is a good one. Steve, let's start this off. I'm going to toss you the keys to the Jason Deloppy. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about Dead Rap Radio. That helps out so much. The other thing you can do is you can vote for us in the Paranormality Magazine Paranormal Podcast of the Month. There's a link to that in the show notes. We're number two. We moved up. We used to be number three. Now we're number two. So thanks for everyone who's voting and continue to vote. You can vote every single month in that poll. So I really appreciate it. Steve, go ahead and uh, get that Jason Jalopy ready to go. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. Drive us all the way out to New Hampshire. A nice leisurely drive all the way out to the state of New Hampshire. This story, it's so interesting. Originally, when I saw it, I go, I'll put this on my TikTok channel, my YouTube Shorts channel. I do these one minute long true crime stories every single day for YouTube and TikTok and Instagram and all those places. But the more I looked into it, I go, this story is this story is clearly more than a minute. It's going to take more than a minute to tell the story. This has some crazy twists and turns. And I was shocked by almost every level of it. Let's take a moment here and get started. It's February 9th. 2023 we're in dover new hampshire it's 4:43 a.m and there's a an woman they don't give her name they they never say her name in the newspaper we're gonna go ahead and call her michelle michelle begins to hear strange noises coming from the roof one day Huh? what what it's <laughs> not christmas there's no reindeer here yet santa claus exists right michelle's trying to figure out where these noises are coming from She's a single mother. She's obviously concerned for her own safety and the safety of her child. So some of us would take like, you know, a knife or a gun or a broomstick and walk around the house and start poking shadows, start shooting shadows. What's in there? Looking for what it is. You know, discretion's the better part of valor. Michelle just calls up the police. She goes, these people get paid to investigate strange noises. I'll let them take care of it. So they show up. The police show up is super early in the morning. And on the roof of this house, there was a dude. It wasn't a ghost. It wasn't a little Casper guy floating around. It was a human being, a mere mortal, named Mauricio Guerrero, 19 years old. And he's on the roof, and the cops are like, hey, get down from there. Get down from there. And he's like, ah, did you guys bring a ladder? I don't know how I got up here. Ah, I teleported. Mandela effect. I was at home in my reality. The police get him down off the roof, and they're like, dude, what in the world were you doing up there? And Mauricio goes, okay, guys, you totally aren't going to believe me. (laughs) You guys aren't going to believe me at all, but I have proof. I have proof of this story. The cops are kind of looking at each other, and they're like, okay, tell us what happened. He goes, so I'm from Pennsylvania, and I met this girl online. I met Michelle online. Through her OnlyFans account. She's an OnlyFans... What, what's the term? Model? OnlyFans model. OnlyFans employee. I don't, I don't know. There's like a, a content creator. Whatever. Met this girl on OnlyFans. And... You know, we traded things back and forth. Photos. Money. I gave her Kobe's amounts of, of money. We got to know each other really, really well. And... I came out to meet her before, tonight. This isn't the first time that i on a roof. I've actually been in her house before. We met each other. We're actually dating right now. And the cops are like, okay, no, this, this story's just not. Well, we understand where this guy's head is. But, you know, obviously, generally when you're dating someone, at no point in the relationship will you end up on their roof unless you're installing Christmas lights or your Santa Claus. He's like, listen, we we've been dating. It's been a long distance relationship. I'm in Pennsylvania. She's here in New Hampshire. But I came out here before we had sex. We had sex. He puts his hand up for high five. The cops are like, put your hand down, dude. We had sex. We're actually dating. And they but none of this explains why you're on her roof, Mauricio. If you guys say that you're dating, why were you up on the roof at four forty three in the morning? And he goes. She wants to be stalked. She has this really weird fantasy where she wants people to be obsessed with her. And she wanted me to stalk her. And the police do get like his phone, right? And they begin looking through his phone and they see that there are videos and photos of Mauricio outside Michelle's home, like he's standing in the doorway and he's like, "Hey, you won't believe who's you won't believe who's stalking you right now. It's me, Mauricio." The cops are like, "What?" There's photos of Mauricio in front of Michelle's mother's house. Now these are photos he took. <laughs> these photos are on his phone. He took them. It's not ring doorbell cameras. He's taking photos of himself stalking her. Most disturbingly, (laughs) the whole thing's disturbing. But most disturbingly, there's photos of him inside her house, walking around while she's sleeping, and apparently there's a video of him walking into her bedroom, and lifting up her blanket, where she's not wearing any panties at all. While she's sleeping, and he's videotaping her nude from the waist down. Because he had been at this house six times before this night. One time he says, I came over and we had sex. He goes, the other five times, she didn't know I was there at the time. But she wanted me to be there. She wanted to be stalked. She's into this thing. And to also add another layer of disturbing onto this seven-layer disturbing pie that video where he was filming her underneath the blanket where he lifted up the blanket or the sheet to show that she wasn't wearing any panties, Michelle was asleep in her bed and Michelle's daughter was sleeping right next to her. Now, Mauricio didn't know that. Mauricio goes, I did not know. <laughs> listen to I know it's creepy. I know I'm into some creepy stuff, but I did not know there was a kid asleep in the bed because the police were like, there's a kid in the bed. And Marisha was like, not that I saw. Not that I saw. I didn't know that. Felicia are like, well, maybe you did and maybe you didn't. But what, you, what we know, what you gave us evidence of, is you creeping around in her house, videotaping her sleeping while she's nude. Like, her legs are spread open. And, for, you know, kids in beds could probably look like a big rumple of clothing. I don't know. Possibly. Like, if the kid's small enough, he probably just thought it was a bump in the bed. And you're going to say, at this point, you're splitting hairs, right? Whether or not there is a kid in the bed or not. The guy was in the house, without her permission, videotaping her. But here's the thing. This is so weird. So that story alone, you go, oh, dude, that's creepy. Like, to think that there's a guy. Because they found, like, proof that he'd been up in her attic from time to time. He was peeing in a jug. Like, he would drive out from Pennsylvania. That's quite the drive. He drives out there, he goes in the attic, and he would be hanging out in there, sneaking down, and then he would go back up there, and he was like peeing in a bucket. They knew that he had stopped by multiple times. They found evidence that he'd been in the house. That's just a weird story that you can talk about for a minute. You can tell that weird true crime story, make people a little scared. But he said she was into this, and I have proof. And sure enough, he has text messages from her saying, hey, I want to be stalked. I think it's super hot when guys are obsessed with women. I would love it if you stalked me. So what happens is the police, then they go to interview Michelle and they said, hey, listen, we caught the guy who was up on your roof, apparently he'd been here multiple times before, he said that you guys had sex in the past. And she's like, yeah, he did come over once and we had sex, but I don't want anything to do with him. They're like, okay. They said, he says that he's been over here five times after that and you were completely unaware of that. And she goes, yeah, I had no idea he had come back over. Like he came over that one time We had sex. Never seen him again. And they're like, okay. They go, he also showed us these text messages and he's implying that you wrote these and you want to be stalked. Like the fact that you didn't know he was there was attractive to you. You wanted to know there was someone out there obsessing over you and stalking you, but you didn't want to see him again. You just wanted to know that he was around possibly taking photos, possibly stealing underwear, or or whatever. He's saying, you said that stuff. And her, this is so interesting, because it it went to trial. This this case went to trial. He got charged with third-degree burglary, because apparently uh, one or two of the times he was over there, he took stuff with him. That was the charge, burglary. They didn't charge him with voyeurism, which I don't know what the technical crime would be of that. There are crimes about like videotaping people without their knowledge and things like that. They charged him with burglary because she said, well, I may or may not have said those things. Usually when I talked to him, I was really drunk. I don't remember having that conversation with him. Now, the... It came from her. These messages came from her. He he saved them on his phone. And she, go, her, she didn't say, no, I would never do that. I'm not into that at all. What are you implying? She goes, I don't remember. I was really, really drunk, and I don't remember ever asking him that. Even when she's confronted with the messages, she doesn't remember. What happened in the end? This did go to trial. And what he got charged with was four counts of burglary, because apparently a couple of the times he showed up, he took stuff with him. So four counts of burglary, one count of criminal trespass, and one count of invasion of privacy, which would include the videotaping. He was found guilty. He was found guilty. Two counts of burglary, the other two they couldn't decide on, invasion of privacy and criminal trespass. He's facing several decades in prison. It's a fascinating true crime story, and it's weird... There's no real lesson to it. I guess the lesson is, no matter how much you love somebody or how much you think you're in a relationship with someone, if they ask you to do something illegal, don't do it. Because that's really what this came down to. She might have had a fantasy of this, and he fell headfirst into it. Now, was she so drunk she didn't remember any of this? Did she say it once in passing? I don't know. It sounded like there were multiple text messages. I don't know over what period of time, but sucks it sucks for this dude right it sucks for her obviously if she was drunk and she didn't really think about what she was writing then all of a sudden there's some dude in her house like that's just not gonna make you safe it will, if it was a fantasy of hers and she said it multiple times and she wasn't drunk right we're taking her word that she was drunk during all of this she admits sending the messages she just says she doesn't remember sending the messages then that's almost like a a, a super villain setting someone up. Because that would be the creepiest part, too. What if her fantasy didn't end with being... St- this is putting on her conspiracy <laughs> camera, okay? Right here, legally, I'm just saying. What if her fantasy didn't end with just being stalked? Her fantasy was also like being in the courtroom and watching the guy get put away for, you know, a long period of time. What if that was part of the fantasy as well? Who knows? People have some weirdo fantasies out there. There's all sorts of crazy fetishes. My advice to you is set, have a, big check, have a big checklist of fetishes that are deal breakers. Just write them down and continually add to it as you learn about new fetishes. You're like, nope, not into that. So if your partner ever says, I want you to change my diaper, be like, nope. If your partner says, I want you to do something illegal with me. You go, nope. And you just make this list. But that advice, Mauricio did not get that advice. I personally didn't have this advice either until three minutes ago, but He's going to spend a long time in prison. Minimum one year. So if the judge combines all of it into one sentence, maybe he'll do like a year or two, but he could be gone for a long time. Crazy, crazy true crime story. Steve, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the carpenter copter. We are leaving behind the town of Dover. Fly us all the way out to a house in the suburbs. We're about to meet this young couple. We don't have their real names. We're going to call her Amanda, and her husband we'll name him Lewis. The year is 2014. In 2014, Lewis died suddenly. We don't have any details, but whatever it was, nobody in his friend circle or his family expected it, Lewis died. Now Lewis wasn't a nice husband. Amanda found herself trapped in that vicious cycle of domestic violence that so many people, men and women, find themselves stuck in. It's a horrible thing for the person you love to hurt you the most. He was very controlling. He's a very controlling husband. And from time to time, he would beat her with a belt. This is how we see this cycle. You have the love bomb and the person loves you. Everything's great. Then things get a little more strict, a little more angry, more fighting. It evolves to physical violence. And then the domestic abuser reverts back to the, I'm so sorry, I can't believe I did that. I'll never do it again. And it is, it's this psychological cycle. We see cults do the same thing. It's awful. But people do get stuck in it. Sometimes financially, they can't leave, especially if children are involved. There is a child in this household as well. Sometimes it's the fact that Amanda does love Lewis. Despite all the bad stuff, it's not all bad. And Amanda does love Lewis. So much so that when Lewis died, Amanda said, I knew right away. Before I got any phone calls, before anyone told me, I felt a connection get clipped. I felt something that was part of my soul drift away. I knew he was dead before anybody gave me the news. On the day Lewis died, later that evening, Amanda was at home and she heard his voice call out, Amanda? Clear as day. She heard it echo through the house. And Amanda, who does seem to be quite attuned to spiritual and paranormal phenomenon, she says, when I heard his voice in the house, I realized, because his death was so sudden, he didn't realize what had happened. He was still wandering around Earth as this spirit. He didn't really even know he was dead at this point. He was so confused. He returned to the one place that he knew the most, which was their home. But." It wasn't his home anymore. He had now left the world of the living. And she heard his voice call out in this confused tone, this questioning tone, this worried tone. Because he didn't know what was going on. A short while after that, after he had died and after she heard his voice... Things started to happen in the house. First off, you would have doors slamming shut. Things would uh, mysteriously move around the house. Not float, but you would place something, and then you would leave, and you'd come back and be in a different part of the house. And their six-year-old daughter would start to see her father in the house. Not as a constant presence, but from time to time, their daughter would look and see her dad. Standing in the hallway or watching her from the corner of a room. A year after Lewis died, though, is when things got really bad. Really bad. Amanda began to dream about him. And in these dreams, he would never say a word. He never talked, but he was always angry. Sometimes these dreams would just be full of negative energy. Like he's directing this psychic wave towards her of hate and anger and misery. Sometimes these dreams would emulate their relationship while he was alive. In the sense that she would dream... She goes, I have these dreams. Sometimes it'd be once a week, sometimes multiple times a week. I'd have a dream where Lewis is standing there and I could just feel the anger oozing off of him. Sometimes in the dreams, he would grab a belt and he would beat me. Like he used to when he was alive. Amanda said, I feel like this was... How my husband was trying to communicate with me. I think that. So she heard the voice early on. Her daughter was seeing her dad. But that phenomenon stopped. For a while. I probably should have that detail in. That phenomenon stopped. It lasted a short while. And then it stopped. And now he's manifesting into Amanda's dreams. And she goes. I think he had figured out. That this is the best way for him to communicate with me. Is he can now come into my subconscious. And let me know he's still there. Here's the thing, though. That's not good communication. He couldn't talk to her. And you imagine if he could say something to her, he would just yell at her. Because in these dreams, he's just so angry at her and sometimes physically beating her up in her dreams. That even though he couldn't talk, what would he say? You just imagine it would have to be vile. But this was the way that he realized he could be part of Amanda's life. Now, if that was the end of the story, that's a terrifying haunting. That's a terrifying glimpse of what could happen after your tormentor is dead. But what's really cool about this one is it's not the end of the story. This story's dope. This story's really cool, and I'm glad that I found it. It was posted online by someone going by the name Gritchy and Grouchy. Who were calling Amanda. Amanda said over time, over time, while she's having these dreams of Lewis viciously beating her or just staring at her angrily, she goes, over time, he changed. The anger dissipated. The violence stopped. And Lewis began to speak to me in my dreams. He's a different man now. Now when I dream about him, he's affectionate. He's, dare I say it, helpful. Sometimes when I'm really struggling with something in my life, I'll have a dream and Lewis will talk to me about what I'm dealing with. He'll give me advice on how to get through the tough times ahead. He's the man I always knew that he could be, but he didn't become that man until after he died super cool ghost story right super super interesting ghost story and i think you know when when you hear this story that's what we hope happens that's what we hope happens when someone is stuck in life when someone is mean in the real world or straight up evil that They learn the error of their ways, and not necessarily being punished for what they did on Earth, but realizing what they did and how it affected other people, and then changing. Then becoming the person they always should have been. The anger and the rage and the hate, these are things that are created through life experiences. And you hope that in death, all of those things disappear. And you become the person you would have become had you not had all of these horrible life experiences on Earth. He worked through the issues. Lewis may have grown up in a family full of domestic violence and just thought that's how it was done. Maybe he just had anger issues. Maybe he grew up in a loving home, but... He couldn't control his own temper. It could be a hundred different things. It could be a thousand different things. But your hope is that when people die, they continue. First off, they continue to evolve. They continue to learn and grow. And two, that they actually find peace. They actually find peace with Not just being dead, right? Because that is part of a thing. Like, I'm sure there are ghosts that are shocked that they're ghosts and they don't understand what's going on. Not only find peace with the idea of being dead, but find peace with the mistakes they made in the past and become a better person than they were when they were alive. I mean, this is, I love this ghost story. I don't think I've come across something like this before, honestly. I could be wrong. You know, we've put out A thousand plus episodes. But I don't think I've ever come across such a dramatic change in a ghost like this. And the fact that he was able to appear in the dreams and communicate with her. Originally, he couldn't. He was communicating with her by being angry and by beating her. And she goes, listen, I've moved on. Like, I got in another relationship. I met another man. We're raising our daughter together. She goes, I know that. Lewis was probably struggling with that. That was probably part of the anger in the dreams, but I have like you have to, right? You have to move on with your life. But even now that she has a new relationship, he's still coming to her in the dreams, and he's at peace with who he is and who she is becoming. And what's interesting is she writes in this post, she goes, quote, I used to hate him with every fiber of my being. For finding a way to torment me from the other side. But my anger has subsided as well. So both people are growing from this. Both people are learning to love again. Even though one of them is on the other side. It's a ghost story that has a beautiful lesson. That we do continue to live after death, and we are so sentient. We're not just these invisible afterthoughts that are sometimes seen late at night, standing at the corner of the bedroom. No, there's still a sentience involved there. There's still the core personality of Lewis after he died. So much so, I mean, it was the negative parts of him as well. But over time, those negative parts have become weaker. And weaker. And weaker until they just aren't there anymore. And now he's the husband that he always wanted to be. The husband that Amanda always knew that he could be. They say sometimes it takes losing it all to find out who you really are. In Lewis's case, that meant losing his life. But he's a better man because of it. radio at gmail.com is going to be our email address you can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio tiktok is at deadrabbitradio Dead Rapper Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast you don't have to listen to it every day but i'm glad you listened to it today have a great guys.